Good morning. I'm John, and this is the Daily Wrestling News Show for September 14th. On this day in 1997, WCW presented the fifth edition of their Fall Brawl pay-per-view in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I'm sure some of the topics discussed over the last month plus have given even those of you listeners with a photographic memory for wrestling a moment of contemplation here and there. Where are they going with this? Well, this won't be one of those episodes. There are moments in wrestling history that are so memorable or iconic, you can trigger the memory with just a couple of words. If I say WrestleMania 3, you know I'm about to talk about Hogan Andre or Steamboat Savage. If I say Bastard the Beach 96, you can bet the farm I'm talking about the night that Hogan dropped the leg, and not the fact that Steve McMichael beat Joe Gomez. So I won't even pretend that I think I'm clever when I pose the question, how do you craft the perfect betrayal? Hey there, if you're listening to this, then chances are you love wrestling. And if you care to continue the conversation with me, John, and other listeners of this show, then I invite you to join the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group. Just search for Daily Wrestling News Show or go to facebook.com slash groups slash wrestling news show and click join. We cannot wait to meet you there. The group is brand new, so if you're one of the first to join, don't be afraid to say hi. Now, on with the show. Fall Brawl, as discussed previously this week, was synonymous with the Thunderdome-inspired spectacle War Games, and War Games was synonymous with the Four Horsemen. Unlike 1999, Fall Brawl 97 would deliver both in front of a decidedly partisan crowd deep in horseman country. This was not your father's WCW, however. The NWO was running the show. After a little more than a year since their formation, the NWO was the hottest thing the wrestling world had seen since Hulkamania ran wild in the early 80s. These weren't quite your father's horsemen either. Arn Anderson found himself no longer able to ignore a neck injury around the time of his Halloween Havoc 96 match with Lex Luger, when Arn suddenly couldn't pick up the 20-pound dumbbell he used to warm up in his daily workouts with his dominant left hand. A trip to the doctor was clearly on the horizon. He went through with the match against Luger anyway, and afterwards struggled to undo his own bootlaces. This led to surgery on four vertebrae. Arn began to realize that his road back would be longer than expected, but his aha moment was twofold. While working out on the comeback trail, a friend came up from behind and slapped him playfully on the back. An intense pain shot through his body to the point where he was unable to hold on to the bottle of water he had in his left hand. Further consultation with his doctors led to one of them finally getting blunt with Arn. According to Anderson, the phrase that finally hit home was, you could quit wrestling or you could quit walking. So the horsemen had spent most of 97 without their enforcer. After a brief stint with Jeff Jarrett that was a bad fit from day one, Flair, Mongo, and Benoit were once again looking to fill that coveted fourth spot. When Kurt Hennig arrived in WCW that summer, Flair believed he had found his man. The horsemen would make overtures for nearly two months, but with the NWO also recruiting Hennig, the decision was not easy. It all came to a head on the August 25th episode of Nitro. Flair and his two running buddies took center ring in Columbia, South Carolina, and basked in the love of the horseman faithful. But Flair had business to attend to. Enough was enough. He called out Hennig, who joined them in the ring, but was still unable to give Flair an answer. So out came Arn Anderson. 
In one of the most moving and memorable promos of Anderson's storied career, he complimented Hennig and challenged him not just to join the Horsemen, but to replace him as Flair's right-hand man and enforcer. Arn was ready to walk away, but in his last official act as a Horseman, he implored Hennig to take, as the famous words would roll off Arn's tongue, not a spot, not a spot, I'll give you my spot. Hennig accepted by stating that it would be a privilege. He shook Arn's hand and joined the legendary Four Horsemen. Fast forward almost three weeks to Fall Brawl. The Horsemen were in a familiar situation. Set to enter Dusty Rhodes' Mad Max-inspired brainchild, War Games, where they would face the NWO contingent of Buff Bagwell, Kevin Nash, Six, and Conan. Why these particular four? Oh, I'm sure you remember. As the consummate showmen they were, the NWO would spoof the instant classic My Spot promo by Anderson, and these were the major four players. Bagwell played the part of Hennig by simply adding a blonde ponytail to a baseball cap, Conan played Mongo by adding a black wig, a bear's jacket, and tossing a football to himself. But the real attention-getters were the roles of Flair and Anderson, played by Six and Nash, respectively. Six had a Carolina blue sweater vest and a platinum blonde wig, and added a prosthetic nose just to twist the knife a bit on Flair. Nash stole the show, however, by spending some time in the makeup chair. He was fitted for a bald cap, and added a few wispy hairs to the front, to capture the sarcastic essence of Arn, and just for good measure, a neck brace and some padding in the abdominal region. If those touches weren't insulting enough, Nash took a swipe at Arn's issues with alcohol by carrying a cooler to the ring and informing the faux horseman that the beer's own eyes. This stunt understandably set Flair off, and he demanded retribution. Roddy Piper, in his role as on-air commissioner, made it so. About an hour into the pay-per-view, Mean Gene would be interrupted by the four members of the NWO carelessly walking through his live ad for the WCW hotline. When they crossed back in front of him again a moment later after some ruckus off-camera, Gene took the cameraman with him into the nearby locker room to investigate just what had happened. He found Kurt Hennig face down on the floor, struggling to pull himself together after an obvious attack. Hennig was now nursing shoulder injury, and his status for war games was very much in question. But Flair would assure us about an hour later with a backstage promo that no matter how many horsemen went into that match, quote, whether it's three, four, two, one, we will bleed, we will sweat, and you will pay the price for life. Poking fun at the NWO catchphrase, the Winston-Salem crowd got a really good show. Eddie Guerrero would capture the cruiserweight title from Chris Jericho in the opener, and the Steiner brothers defeated Harlem Heat in tag action in the following match. Along the way, Alex Wright would retain his television championship in a really entertaining 18-plus minute match with Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. As we got closer to the main event, the Giant would beat NWO member Scott Norton in singles action, and the team of Luger and DDP would take down the NWO's Scott Hall and Randy Savage with a little help from Larry Zbysko. This had been a good night for WCW, but that's what you do in the wrestling business. Your heels do despicable things for weeks. Then you blow it off at a pay-per-view where they get their comeuppance. You send them home happy, as they say, especially in horseman country in the horseman's signature match. When Michael Buffer did the introductions for the main event, the NWO was in full force. 
while the horsemen were down a man. Still, no definitive word on Hennig's availability was given, but the eye test told you that it was going to be a rough road for the horsemen. Buff Bagwell and Benoit went at it in the five-minute opening period. The NWO won the coin flip to get the man advantage and sent in Conan. The remaining periods were two minutes apiece, with Mongo evening the odds next, before Six gave the NWO another man advantage. As the seconds dwindled down on the fourth period and Flair looked to be the third and final horseman to enter the cage, Hennig would make his way to ringside. Good news, bad news. Hennig was here, but his arm was in a sling. After a brief huddle between Hennig and Flair, the nature boy would enter the ring to even the sides. After two minutes, Nash entered and the four-on-three advantage became evident pretty quickly. When the door opened for the start of the last period, Hennig entered and immediately removed his sling to reveal its true purpose, hiding the two sets of foot-long leg irons he had brought to the party. But that would not be the biggest surprise of the night. Hennig went right for Nash, spun the big man around, and wound up for a loaded haymaker, which he landed on Mongo. He tossed a set of cuffs to Nash and proceeded across the ring to deliver a loaded double axe handle to the back of Benoit, before leaving the second set of cuffs with Conan. Jumping into the second ring, Hennig began a three-on-one beating of Flair with Six and Bagwell as Reality started to set in for the Horsemen Faithful in North Carolina. Both Benoit and Mongo quickly found themselves cuffed to the roof of the cage, ensuring that the cage could not be lifted in an attempt to save the Horsemen. Referee Nick Patrick delivered a microphone to Nash, who began asking the horsemen if they were willing to surrender. Mongo refused, and the ever-articulate Benoit simply spat at Nash, so the beatings continued. The only way to end this was for a member of the horsemen to submit or surrender. When Hennig dragged a barely conscious flare to the doorway of the cage and set his head up for what Nash described as a potential guillotine, Mongo finally uttered, you gotta stop this. Both Nash and the announce team pointed out that Mongo had said stop, so the match was over. As Bobby Heenan commented, it was the only humane thing to do. But this was the NWO. What's humane got to do with anything? A couple of seconds after Heenan's words, and almost in perfect lockstep with the ringing of the final bell, Hennig slammed the cage door on Flair's head. And if you lived through those Monday Night Wars, I'll wager you can hear Flair's yelps in your head right now. Nash would exclaim, Death of the Horsemen, right in their backyard. And the pay-per-view would end with the poignant shot of Flair's face, partially obscured by a white towel. The perfect plan, the perfect betrayal, the perfect way apparently to write Ric Flair off TV for a while so he could recover from his previously scheduled facelift. The angle killed off the Horsemen though they would make one more go of it in late 98 and early 99, it was never really the same. More importantly, perhaps, it killed Winston-Salem as a wrestling town. As I mentioned earlier, the wrestling cliche is to send them home happy, especially from the pay-per-views. But while going counter to that was Eric Bischoff's signature maneuver, and it worked for him for a good majority of the time, this angle so struck at the hearts of wrestling fans in Flair Country that when they went home pissed, they never came back. A move Bischoff readily admits was a mistake in retrospect. And it all happened on this day in 1997. 
This has been the Daily Wrestling News Show for September 14th, 2022. We'll see you tomorrow.